And this is the word of God. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They'll turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all those who have longed for his appearing. G'day guys, how are we going this morning? Aren't you, are you not at the best conference in the world? <laughs> you must feel like you got the golden ticket in some Willy Wonka movie to end up here. It's so, oh, it's amazing. Uh, thank God for the privilege to be with you guys. Great to make some new friends and uh, looking forward to digging into the scriptures together this morning. Um, no doubt, like when you're growing up, there's always days that really shape your life. Um, I don't know, there's days that just rock up and you're like, that's, that's a game changer. There's like the day you met your partner. There's like your wedding day. It's like the day you, uh, you got your licence. Or the day you, you graduated from school, or the day you got accepted uh, into uni, or the day you graduated from, from college, the day your first kid was born. And then in, in ministry, there's days that, that are game changers too. Aren't they? They, they shape your life, they just pop up on the calendar and they're, they're, just, they're just there. Like There's the day of your Geneva assessment. That was a fun day, wasn't it, that one? There's, uh, there's the day that you move to the town that you, you plant in. The day of your public launch. The day when you maybe start your second service or the day when you employ uh, another staff member. Or there's just Sunday. <laughs> always on the... Always, there's just Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. And there's always these days that, that, that just tend to shape our life and, and our ministry. And um, uh, the Bible talks about like a big day that should really put all those other ones into perspective... A day that really does shape our life and all, and all our ministry. Um, that's what we're looking at in 2 Timothy 4. There, there's a huge day that's coming. And it should shape the way we uh, tackle every day. And this day should shape our priorities. And, and it's the day that brackets verses 1 to 8 that we just heard read. Just have a look at verses 1 and 8. He says, in, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I'll give you this charge. Or down to verse 8. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who've longed for his appearing. Our day is coming when Jesus will appear. He will come as the judge of the living of the dead. He'll separate people into two groups, those who who have uh, believed the gospel, trusted in him, and be welcomed into um, you know, eternal dwellings, and those who haven't, and they'll be cast off. That, that, that day is the game changer that, that really needs to shape everything. And sometimes that day gets obscured because of all the other days that seem to dominate our, our time and attention. And so what I want us to do is um, 
kind of think about that day a little bit this morning and how that should impact our, our ministries because it puts every other day into perspective, doesn't it? I mean, you think about the big days that are coming up for you. What are they? Is it the public launch? Is it this Sunday and the prep you've got to do? Is it, the, is it the day you've got to move house? That, what, what days are coming up for you? Because at the end of the day, they seem big, don't they? They seem to dominate, but they're not like the day. They're not the day that we're, we're working toward. They're small compared to this one. So let me ask, do you actually do you spend much time thinking about that day that's coming? It's not just the day that um, the people in your church will face Jesus as the judge of the living and the dead or the lost people in your tent. It's the day that you too will stand before your judge. Like, is that a day that somehow fills your horizon? Is that a day that you fear or a day that you long for? Is that a day you pray for? As Jesus said, yeah, pray, pray for it. Or is it a day that's kind of somehow been... You know, just kind of pushed off the radar by all the other days that you're dealing with. Um, when I was uh, at the youth minister at um, the church up here at Narrabeen, I took the youth leaders away for a, um, a leadership um, weekend. And we were, we were jumping off um, like a small cliffy thing into, into the water at Kangaroo Valley. And one of the, um, one of the uh, girl youth leaders jumped and she just... Had a lot of courage, but she just had no form right in there. Just, just like a bag of jelly just slipped off the cliff. And she landed really awkwardly in the water and just kind of like floated awkwardly. And we're like, oh, no, this is really bad, really bad. And so we kind of, a few of us beached her like, like this and we called an ambulance. And she's saying, I can't feel my toes and I can't move my legs. And I was freaking out big time. And, um, and we took her to the, to the hospital and they, you know, they're looking after her and they put her in a, a room and um, kind of we, we're praying for her, reading the word to her, trying to encourage her. Um, and from behind the curtain, I hear this old dude call out, Amen, like to our prayers. So I like, whip back the curtain and there's old mate. Just, he's, not, he's not really looking that healthy. He's very old, but turns out he, he's a Christian man who's been like a Sunday school teacher forever, right? Forever. And he's like, what are you guys doing here, like in Kangaroo Valley? He says, you know, we're teaching these leaders, training them up to, like, you know, teach the word to the next generation. And he's like, that's awesome, you know, so important, <clears throat> so important that you equip the next generation, so important that the young kids are ready for the day. Well, here we go. It's a big enough day as it is, mate, but prepare for the day. <clears throat> and he goes, at my house, I've got a big sign in my living room. It's out of wood and it's kind of burnt and it looks interesting and it says, maybe. <laughs> and he goes, everyone who comes into my house says, what's that about? And he goes, Jesus said he's coming back to judge the living and the dead one day and maybe it's today. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm like... Oh, he was fired up. But, um, but that's good, isn't it? Like, despite what's going on, here's a guy who actually knows what day is important and how to live in light of it. And he's taken opportunity to G us up in the middle of that crisis to keep pressing on with 
equipping the next generation. And unfortunately, the, the, the youth leader, it turned out, you know, she wasn't too badly hurt, and praise God for that. But I'll never forget the maybe man. He's just like, maybe, maybe. It is a big maybe, isn't it? Maybe today, maybe before you get home, Jesus will return. Or maybe next week, or maybe before the next big day on your calendar, uh, Jesus will return with the day, that day. And so what I want to um, help us to see is that day needs to dominate because it, uh, it really takes priority and precedence over all the other days. And all those other days need to be lived in light of the day. So Paul had this day kind of blipping on his radar, didn't he, in his ministry. Now, and now as he writes to Timothy, he's trying to impress uh, that day on Timothy so that Timothy will know how to serve God today. And in all the days between here and that one. So what does he tell him to do? I'm sure you guys are very familiar with this passage. So what does he tell him to do? He says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I'll give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Really serious vibe here, isn't there? Timothy, like, mate, I solemnly charge you, God is my witness, and so is Jesus the judge, preach the word. Now, why in light of that day do we preach the word, particularly the gospel word? It's the only thing that gets people ready for that day. That's what people need most before that day is the word, is, is the gospel word about Jesus. So they can be prepared for that day. And he says, preach it, proclaim it, announce it, declare it, make it known. Now, I know that you guys have got lots of stuff going on in your lives and in your ministries. And when you plant, there's lots to juggle, right? There's all the admin stuff, the legals, the compliance. There's training, there's groups to run, services to plan, events to manage, people to care for, structures and systems to kind of set up. But amidst all of that, mate, our priority must be to preach the word. I know you know that, but I'm going to say it anyway. Preach the word because the day is coming and maybe, maybe it's going to be this week. Preach the word, keep it central because God's spoken, right? That's a good word, isn't it? We checked it out in chapter one. It's a good word. It's, it's, it's sound teaching. It's the good deposit. It's beautiful. It's right. It equips us for, it makes us wise for salvation because it points us to Jesus. It, it equips us thoroughly for every good work. Preach the word. When do you do it, mate? All the time. In season. Out of season. Now, I love playing soccer. Wednesday nights during winter. It's fun. But, you know, the soccer season's just finished and I can't wait for next season. But, but preaching the word is not like that because there's no, there's no off season. It's, it's, always, it's always on. Well, it's even on when it's off, if you know what I mean. Um, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Just, mate... Be ready anytime, anywhere, all the time. When it's easy, that's, that's the in-season, isn't it? When it's, when it's not easy, that's out of season. When people want to hear it, when they're you know, opposed to it. And, and you know this, but in, in your ministry, you'll have times when it's in-season, isn't it? I'm preaching right now in-season. Because look at yours. Keen as. Bible's open. 
no one's bagging me. It's great, <laughs> except maybe Tim. But um, it's, this, this is in season. And maybe, maybe at your church, it's, it's in season because people are like hungry for the word. And like, they're like, man, that was, that was a great talk. They were so encouraging. And they're like tagging you on Facebook. And they're like writing you encouragement little cards. And they're like sending you flowers. And, and they're like going, this is unreal. Thanks so much for teaching the Bible. And, and maybe you're in that spot where it's in season. It's a joy and a delight to preach the word. But, mate... <laughs> Enjoy that while it lasts, because um, it's not always like that, is it? It's not always easy and in season to preach, even even amongst believers. I mean, for Timothy, he he's got to preach in season and out of season at Ephesus, where mate, it's out of season for the for the young fellow, because on the outside there's persecution coming. He's under Nero's reign, remember, because he's preaching a different lord, and inside the church there's there's the the heretics, the false teachers who need shutting down, who are disrespecting him. And, and the word to the young guy, mate, you preach the word. In season, out of season, when they love you, when they hate you, hold the line. Now, um, in church plants, it's very important to preach the word because how does God build his church? <laughs> through, through the ministry of word and prayer by his spirit. Preach the word. How else do you think it's going to get done? Preach the word. And, and church plants are, or they can be magnets for freaks. And weirdos and, and nutty people who, who have strange ideas about what is most important and would love to come and exert some influence in, in the church. And early on, they're very dangerous. You know, mission drift is a very real thing, a threat you face. And, and how do you combat it? You need to preach the word. You need to let God's word set the tone for what you believe how you behave, your priorities, what's important. So in your church plants, it can be out of season when one weirdo walks through the door. Yeah, just like that. The weather can change. Um, so it can happen um, in your church plant. It can even happen amongst people that you, you, you feel were like solid from your core group, your launch team, that you just thought were grounded, solid, and then all of a sudden, man, they're teaching stuff in their home group that's just, that's just not... You know, not kosher, not good. And you think, mate, now I've got to shut them down and have all that messy convo. And it's out of season, it's hard work. You thought they were on board and maybe they'll leave if you go too hard. And you've got all that drama. But what? No, out of season, you preach the word. It's God's church. He rules it by his word. Preach the word. It can happen when you try and work with other churches as well. And when we first moved to, to Foster, we, we tried to work with some of the other churches to start um, scripture in the, in the high school. There was no high school scripture. And um, uh, I, I volunteered to put together five lessons for the um, kids because we cross-authorised each other. I showed the, the Ministers Association the five lessons. And do, do you know, the big objection to the lessons was that um, we were telling kids that Jesus died for their sins. There were people who didn't think that Jesus ministers, getting paid, who, who didn't think Jesus died to take the punishment for sin. Some very strange ideas about how the atonement works. And um, they didn't want any mention of sin or judgment in the five lessons that the kids, the only five lessons the kids were going to get in all of their high school because the kids have already got a low self-esteem. Why should we call them sinners? We need to be more positive. No talk, just no talk of the cross because, you know, that weird stuff about this cosmic child abuse. It's like fair income. 
I don't know, I, I didn't handle myself very well, but I did get very angry. And, um, like, I, I didn't, I'd never encountered this before. I'd, I'd lived a sheltered little, you know, in churches. I'd never encountered, like, a kind of a militant liberalism before. And um, I just slammed my Bible on the table and I said, what Bible are you guys reading? Like, my, I could have handled myself better, but... Um, <laughs> This is, mate, we, we preach the word because the, the gospel prepares people for that day. The stakes, are, the stakes are high and we can't go soft out of season. Um, it's, so it's hard, sometimes hard working with other, with other churches if you're committed to preaching the word. Um, can, and it can obviously happen when there's a clash between what the Bible teaches and what our culture um, believes and wants us to believe too. And so, so it's tempting for us to not preach all the word, just the kind of the bits of the word that are not going to get us in too much trouble. But, mate, we've got to hold the line, teach on controversial issues, let God's word set the agenda, even if we sound like bigots. Friends, you know this, but preach the word in season and out of season. And work hard, work hard at applying it to people's lives. He says, you know, correct, rebuke, and encourage people. You know, you've got to correct people's... Um, you know, faulty understandings, can confront error, and you teach the truth by careful instruction. You know, where to rebuke people. You know, he's just talking with talking about dealing with the messy stuff in church life, challenging people. You know, come on, mate. You, you, you're claiming Jesus as Lord, but you're not really living living under his lordship here. Come on, mate. Get, get it sorted. Um, I mean, our staff meetings, we, we, we I have the great joy and privilege of shepherding a, quite a messy church and like like we all do with because they're made up of people um one of the one of the standing just items on our staff agenda is church discipline who do we need to um correct rebuke or encourage this week because it's it's pretty messy and i need to keep it on the agenda because um i'd prefer to not do that stuff a lot of the time so i just leave it there and every week we try and work out how to graciously, lovingly, boldly work out who's next, <laughs> who's next. Um, but it's, it's, out of, it's out of love for them, out of love for the church, you know, with a, with a goal for seeing them transformed into Christ-likeness. But we're to correct, we're to rebuke, we're to encourage. We're to encourage the battlers, you know, remind our people of the gospel and God's kindness to them when they stuff up, God's good promises, call them to live holy lives. When um, when I was in the early days of learning how to um, how to teach, one of the met my teaching mentor guys. He tried to teach me the difference between giving people an uppercut or a hug in preaching. <laughs> and, uh, you know what I mean. Some people need the firm rebuke, and some people need the the gentle hug. And he says, sometimes, mate, I think you get them backwards, <laughs> and that's not good, is it? When you're really gentle and affirming of people who really need the hard word, that's, that's just loving yourself because you don't want to have the awkward conversation. But, and then when you give someone who needs a hug an uppercut, that's devastating, isn't it? And so you need to be good at diagnosing what the people in your church need. Do they need the comfort? Do they need the rebuke? Do they need the exhort? Do they need something? Just work out whether it's the, the hug or the uppercut because <laughs> they're both needed. And you're to do it with great patience, aren't we? Because like we all are, people are slow to learn and slow to change. 
and it's tempting to be impatient and harsh. So we're to keep plugging away at word and prayer, trusting that the Spirit will bring change. So we, we be patient as we preach the word. Because this is how we shepherd God's people, isn't it? We feed them the good stuff of, of God's word. And that's how we prepare them for that day. Now, personally, like, like many of you in the room, like I think that a steady diet of preaching your way through books of the Bible is a great way to preach the word. It just means you're covering all the bases that God's word covers. It means you don't get to kind of skip bits that are the, the bristly ones, the controversial ones. If you're committed to just working your way through, you'll cover the bases and you'll preach the word in season and out of season. So that's the charge. You know, preach God's word, apply it to people's lives, even when it's messy and unpopular. Verse 3, For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They'll turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. I like that. Keep your head. I need to hear that. I need to remember that. Just don't be thrown. Stay focused. And yet, you know, we do live in times, don't we, when people, they don't want to be told what to believe or how to behave. They want to kind of make that stuff up for themselves or, or at least listen to someone who will just tell them what to, you know, that they believe in the right garbage. And so they'll happily, go, they'll happily leave your church if you're preaching the word to go to the church down the road where someone might be, you know, tickling their rich and ears. And it's heartbreaking, isn't it? Seeing people prefer to go somewhere where the truth's not really valued and, and you just think, oh, come on. So do the work of an evangelist, you know. Keep preaching the gospel. Keep seeking them out. You might not be a gifted evangelist, but you, if you know the gospel, you can do the work of an evangelist. You can share the gospel with them. Keep persevering there. And I think the deafer our culture wants to be to the word, the clearer we just got to... The clearer we've got to be, don't we? And work at cutting through there. So um, I want you to imagine that um, you know someone sends you a letter, comes comes to your house, you get out of the letterbox, and you notice that it's been um, opened, and then stuck together with sticky tape. And you open it up, and inside it's a letter from you know maybe your parent, your mum or your dad, or your best mate, and um, someone's just kind of decided to with a red pen, scribble a few sentences out, add a few little comments here, add a few bits there. You'd be like, who's, who's messing with the message? That's not, that's not what we do. Preachers, we are we're meant to just be posties, right? Not tweaking the message, just delivering it. God's word is God's message to his people. We don't get to, we don't get to tamper, we don't get to tweak. And if we find people who are doing that, we need to work out how to lovingly shut them down. Because we just... We're just posties. We don't have anything original to say, do we? <laughs> Nothing. Not a thing. We don't need to be novel. We just, we've got to be lovingly old school and just preach the word. Um, it's, it's tough to discharge your duty like that of a postie, especially if it's out of season, isn't it? It's, it, it's tough. And you won't do it unless you're convinced that it's true and that it's beautiful. And it's worth suffering for, and that that day is coming. Um, but Paul's winded up now. He, he knows it's time to kind of pass the baton on, and he wants to encourage Timothy to persevere till the end and to remind him it's all going to be worth it. Verse 6, he says, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. 
I love the way he thinks about his death. He doesn't think of himself as a victim of the state, does he? He's willingly pouring himself out in service to God. He, he feels like a soldier happily dying for the cause. And he doesn't feel like he's sitting in a prison cell on death row. The guy thinks he's sitting in the departure lounge. <laughs> doesn't he? The time's come for my departure. Some of you are looking forward to going home, aren't you? You're going to go to the airport. You're going to be sitting there. Where are you going after the departure lounge? You're going home. That's where Paul thinks he's going. I'm going home. He can't wait to see Jesus. He doesn't have any regrets about how things have turned out either. He's actually glad he spent his life the way he has and how it's turned out. Listen to this. He says, verse 7, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who've longed for his appearing. I used to really struggle with this, um, this, this part of the, the Bible because I, I thought, it kind of sounds like he's talking himself up, doesn't it? I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have been a pretty super awesome Christian and God's going to crown me. You know, like it sounds it's like, what? He's not actually talking himself up. He obviously doesn't think that you know, his works or his ministry save him. You know what he's actually doing here? He's doing Yoda talk, right? He's doing Yoda talk. Now, who, who, I know there's some Star Wars nerds here. So confession time, Petico, confession time. Now, I need someone to turn verse 7 into Yoda talk. Do it, Pete. Have a go at it. No, from the NIV, yeah. That's how it goes in the Greek. That's it. That's exactly it. Good on you. He's going, the good fight I've fought. You know, the race I've finished, the faith I've kept. The emphasis for him is not on his own, his own performance of that. It's, it's on that he's been kind of committed to the right stuff. He's been, on the, he's been about the gospel. He's not saying I've done such an awesome job that I deserve to be crowned. He's just, he's just saying, man, I've, I've kind of been about the right stuff. I've been about the good stuff. The good fight, that's what I've been fighting. I've been battling out for the gospel. It's all about the gospel. The race, I've, that's the thing I've been running. The race, the course that Jesus marked out for me, I've just tried to stay in the lanes and get to the end and I'm not saying I come first or anything. I just, it's the race that I've been running. That's the faith that I've kept. I've been clinging to the good deposit, the gospel. I've, I've, I've hung it all on the gospel. He's not saying he's always been perfectly, you know, godly in, in all that, but. But he's just captured by the gospel, and so he's, he's got this solid, beautiful confidence, doesn't he, to face death. He's like, now, now there's a crown for me. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who've longed for his appearing. He's going to have to stand before an earthly judge who's going to condemn him to death. But he knows ultimately the real judge is Jesus, who's going to declare him to be righteous forever. He's going to crown him. And he gets to somehow partake in that, that glory of Jesus. He, he's righteous now through the gospel. He's going to be righteous forever. God's going to crown the, the ones he's made righteous. And Paul's like, mate, the judge, I don't know who the real judge is. I know what the real judgment's going to be. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to be on the right side of history because I know 
the real judge. He's made me righteous. And I think, um, isn't that beautiful? This is not just the hope for apostles to be crowned with righteousness. This is the hope for any Christian, or as he says there, uh, to all, but not only to me, but for all who've longed for his appearing. All Christians have this beautiful hope to be crowned with righteousness. And, and we can do it with, we can have confidence, because it's not about how awesome our godliness was or how well our church plant went. It's all about the gospel of grace, isn't it? We'll be crowned with righteousness because we know, we know Jesus. And I'll tell you what, mate, Paul's hope is that he's going to see Jesus face to face. And he's, don't you reckon he's looking forward to the day when there's no off-season? And it's just not hard. I can't, I can't wait for that. Are you longing for that day? The day. The day that really needs to kind of um, dominate our horizon. Are you praying that it will come? I mean, are the people in your church ready for that day? Are your family ready for that day? Are the people in your suburb and town ready for that day? How do we prepare people for that day? And we preach the word, we preach the gospel, and we do it with some urgency, and we do it relevantly as we seek to apply it to people's lives appropriately, and we do it gently and patiently and depending on God's strength. Um, I'm going to pray for us that uh, that really would characterise um, our ministries, shaped by that day as we seek to bring the word to bear in our day. All right, thank you, Lord, for the chance we have to gather this morning to reflect on your word. Thank you for its clarity that um, you just speak to us so beautifully and clearly, reminding us about where your world is headed, that one day your son will appear and he will gather those who belong to him and he will judge those who have opposed the gospel or not put their trust in your son. We pray that that day would shape our lives, would dominate our horizon, that we'd be people who are committed to preaching your word. Please give us power to do that by your spirit. Please help us be good at diagnosing what our people need to hear and how they need to hear it. God, please give us um, a willingness to pour out ourselves in sacrifice to you, knowing that we're not losing our life. We're about to gain life forever and a crown that we don't deserve. We pray this for your glory. Amen.